0: You know, you just get to a point where it's like, hey, this is me. Take it or leave it. And if you don't like it, that's fine. I got enough friends. Like, it's fine. I just can't, I I lived for so long trying to be what I thought everyone else wanted me to be. And that's exhausting. You know, it's just so exhausting. People are going to have something to say regardless of what you do. You're going to have your supporters, you're going to have your haters, no matter what you do. So you just have to understand that comes with the territory and just walk in your truth and be who you are.
1: Even though she's younger than me, I kind of feel like I grew up with today's guest. I remember so vividly when she was a VJ on MTV's TRL. And even though people like me still remember her from those days, her career has completely evolved since then. She's an actor, an author, an activist, a mother, and the spouse of NBA player Carmelo Anthony. Lala Anthony is what Jay-Z meant when he said hustlers never sleep, and she's up next on Jamel Hill is Unbothered. I have to say that I did have a hidden agenda for having you on this podcast, Lala. is because I want all the spoilers for the <laughs> final season of Power. So I'm going to need you to tell me something. Like, does Ghost die? Does anybody die? Like, what are we... Do you trying to give me fired for <laughs> life?
0: <laughs> I'm sworn to secrecy. You're sworn to secrecy. But I will say, you know, with it being... The final season, I mean, all the seasons are this crazy roller coaster ride, and the final season is, is no different. I it's mean, the ultimate. Even us being a part of it, we would read the scripts like, wow, this wow. is really happening. So I'm so excited for everybody to get to see it now. And, you know, we want to go out with, with a bang, literally.
1: So, how do you, you feel about it coming to an end?
0: It is sad, you know, if I'm being honest, it's sad. It, it's six seasons of my life, six years of my life where no matter what power was, my family was my, my safe zone, so to speak, and now I'm being thrown back, you know, out in the wild to see, to see what's next. Um, but the possibilities of future is bright, you know, you, you got to change. I also understand, like, you know, whatever happens with my character from this, and, you know, there's spinoffs and other things happening, but as an actor, you can't, just play the same character forever. You get comfortable doing that, but you got to get a little uncomfortable. So for me now, it's time to explore new opportunities and new characters. I booked um, Beverly Hills 90210. So we're currently shooting that in uh, Vancouver, um, which I'm super excited about um, being... Probably the only person of of color on that show, so that's- And you're playing Brian Austin Green's wife. Wife, exactly, yeah. which Brian's been amazing and, and so welcoming, and, and it's been great chemistry. So i really excited for that. And then I've been in Australia a lot now, because I'm shooting a ABC series called Reef Break, so between Australia, New York, Vancouver- I'm, I'm packing on the frequent flyer miles, but it's been a great experience.
1: Yeah, we, we definitely will talk more about um, those projects because I'm old. And so 90210 was on when I was in college. Okay. Right? And so I had a Monday macroeconomics class that I skipped quite frequently to- because I
0: had to watch 90210 in Melrose Place. <laughs> I hear this so much yeah. from people. I mean, I watched it. I wasn't a fanatic for it. But when I booked the job, so many of my friends called and was like, this is the greatest thing you've ever done in your life. I'm like... In my whole life. This is the greatest thing. <laughs> like, you realize I did a lot of things. I know like, this is the, like, I, I now realize what a cult following Beverly Hills has and the fact that this is the original cast coming back. You know, there was a reboot at one time, but this is the original cast coming back. So, I'm curious to see how how it all plays out, but it's, it's really fun to be part of the excitement of the whole thing.
1: Well, you've been through with Power, um, a show that I think has become a bit a bit of a cult favorite as well yeah. with Power. And, Um, Why do you think the show resonates with so many people?
0: Well, I think, you know, for us, it's always an incredible feeling to watch a TV show where we see people that look like us, that, you know, go through some of the things that we go through. Power in some ways is heightened you know, it's a little bit heightened. I don't think yeah, everybody's we are, we doing Yeah, we can't all be drug dealers yeah, by day and club exactly, homes at night. <laughs> exactly, But at the core, the heart of power is something we can all relate to. The struggle between, you know, trying to be good and getting pulled a different way. For our characters, like mine, Lakeisha, you know, women always want to go after the bad boy. And even when you know what that means, you still chase that. You still want that. Um, we can all relate to those kind of things. So at the core of power, the story and the emotions is something that everyone, you know, can relate to how the things that happen between Ghost and um, Tasha's characters, uh, Natori and Omari, is just so relatable. And you have Angela Leela coming in and you got Team, team Leela and, and Team Tasha. It's, it's, it's great. And um, I was just, I'm just so honored to be a part of it. I was really happy that your character hooked up with Tommy cuz he needed a good woman after Holly.
1: I swear I ain't never I mean the the actress who played Holly is phenomenal. Lucy, she's amazing. I have never been so excited for somebody to die in my <laughs> life. When she got choked out, I was like, "Yes." I was like, "Damn, I'm rooting for somebody to get choked out, but she literally needed to get choked well, out." But what
0: a testament to what an amazing actor she That's is what I to said. just bring that to life that way. Wow, and for me to Kind of follow behind that to be you know the next girlfriend, so to speak. that was a lot of pressure because Lucy I mean playing holly she 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 just Crush that role.
1: Yeah. She was a, a terrible, a terrible character in terms of being a terrible human being, but right. a great character because she made you so invested. Exactly. And I hope this season ends with Tariq getting killed. But we gonna talk about that another day. Not my
0: baby, <laughs> I say that.
1: he's a great. That's again great acting right. because I'm. I've you never, want him out of there. I've never uh, wished for a child to be about the paint as much as <laughs> I wish for him to. I was like, he got snow go because <laughs> he's really dragging down this whole family with his nonsense. Um, yeah, because I, I have a feeling. That if I ever ran into the young lady who plays uh, Reina, that I'm just gonna hug her ever so tightly. Like you was the one character not about that bullshit. I know. Yeah. Look what happened. And look what happened. Power, power (sighs) spares no expense. It, It was funny because I was I just so happened to be DMing. Courtney at the same time okay. Um, the showrunner uh, Courtney Kim of course because uh, she was asking me something about Colin Kaepernick and um, the movement or whatever and I happened to be watching the episode when Raina was killed and if it's a spoiler alert that's your problem by the way it so sounds, anyway yeah, that's, that's old yeah it's old like a couple seasons ago get on it so I, I all of a sudden she asked me a question and then I just DM'd her back I was like what the fuck <laughs> so
0: how could you do, do this, this
1: to me I was yeah. like you got here you're crying over a child that ain't mine. I know. <laughs>
0: Imagine us reading it and, and the family that we have when it happened. It was just, I mean, it's, it's tough. There's yeah. some tough moments. I mean, it's, it gets really real and it's some tough moments. But, you know, I love, I love Courtney. I love her writing. I love that she, her and 50 created just such an amazing platform for us, us to be a part of. Were you ever
1: worried that your character might be coming back? Because they left you on a cliffhanger. That, you know, I thought they got you about to paint, too. <laughs> right, right, right.
0: So, yeah, terrified. Right? <laughs> I mean, the thing about power is every single script, you just go, before you read it, you're skimming through it to see, making sure your name is in the entire like, script. Like, all of these right, pages? Right, because that's, that's just how it happens. Right. And no one, no one is safe, so to speak. So, you just get the episode, and before you read it, you're just skimming, looking for your name. You're like, okay, made it. T- so, every episode that you kind of survive is like another win. Right. So, yeah, you're always uh, terrified of what's going to happen. Did you always envision yourself as an actress? No, I didn't, actually. You know, for me, I started as a radio personality, and I kind of just felt like, okay, radio, what's the next logical thing? Being a TV personality, okay, what's after that? Oh, being an actor. But when I decided I wanted to do it, it's something that I took so seriously. You know, I invested so much time in acting school and I still go to acting class all the time. Um, I just know that you can't fake acting and people will see through that and whatever I do, I wanna be good at and I don't wanna disrespect the craft or other actors in any way. And that's what's been so great about Power because working with talent like Omari and, and Lorenz and Natori and Leela and Joseph and Rotimi and just, all the amazing talent, it pushes you to just be the best. Like, I'm like, I'm not going to be the slacker of the group. You know, I got to come with my A game. So I really grew as an actor just being a part of power and that's something I'm, I'm forever grateful for.
1: Uh, you said you still go to acting classes. Is there a, a character or type of character um, that you want to play that you haven't, you know, had the opportunity to play that you really would like to do?
0: Well, I, at my core, I'm such a tomboy. I'm so into sports. You know, I, I, I know the game of basketball, probably better than anybody. Like it's my whole life. It's been my whole life for so long. So I would love to tap into more of like my tomboy side as opposed to I guess more of like the glamorous side because those who know me know that I am the furthest thing from glamorous. I'm sweats, sneakers all day, you know, can Talk basketball and sports with the best of them, so I would like to lean into that a little bit more as opposed to just you know girlfriend or wife and things like that. So I'm out there. I'm out there uh, looking for those roles for sure. So Spike Lee does she got game? Oh, there I'm in. you go. There I'm you go. In. You in? I'm in. I'm in. I'm And I actually or, saw him today. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah, was yeah. good. I, I
1: got a chance to kick it with him a little yeah. bit as well. Um, or if they do a love in basketball too, who knows? It would like, be amazing. Would, it would be amazing. That's you or all love
0: like or like the the reboot of a set it off
1: and do something like that. again. I
0: always hear about it. I mean, I talked to, uh, Queen La and Shaquem about it all the time and I just I, I feel like it's it's gonna happen
1: you wanna be Cleo? is that you wanna everybody? I wanna be the most everybody?
0: thugged out character <laughs> okay. possible my core roles like they wouldn't even know it was, they wouldn't even see me coming
1: so you uh, your career journey has been um, you know really about adaptation and just transformation but as you mentioned you started off in radio mm-hmm. you had an internship at 17? 16 16 so even younger sorry I didn't mean to, uh, okay. to, to, to slight okay. you okay. what At that age, how did you have the foresight to know, like, I need an internship or to to go after that?
0: Really at that age, it was my love of music. Like I'm, even to this day, I'm such a hip hop head. Like I'm I'm a fake rapper in my head. I could rap every song. I literally put on full performances in my room and in the shower. So I love music. So because of my love of hip hop music, I wanted to be around it. And I knew that Wow! Why don't I intern? I can be around the artists I love. I could just be around the culture at such such a young age. So it was really me following my passion for music that kind of really set my my career off.
1: Now, did you? Um, I'm imagining that you maybe didn't think MTV was going to be eventually where you wound up, but right. did you sort of see yourself as being a like local DJ, you know, doing it
0: doing it that way, like having your own radio show, that kind of right. thing? Right. It's kind. of... I was just. Going through it, but as I was going through it, I was learning and wanting to be the best at it—the best intern, you know, the best putting the CDs back on the ra- everything. I wanted to be the best at. So after radio, I, I um, got the call. Well, during radio, I got the call that MTV was having auditions, and I came in, and they were like wow, um, you, you don't have a face for radio. You know, that was, that was the thing. And I'm like, what the hell does that mean? But they felt like, you know, I had a face for TV and then I could deliver. So that's how the MTV job came, came along. And I think for me, it's always just been being like myself, being who I am. And I think that's what people can relate to. And, and, and what people like, people can read through like the fake shit, you when you're when you're not authentic, and for me, I always say you know when you're yourself, you can keep that up when you're trying to be somebody else that's difficult, so I it's just always been me, and it's been working so far <laughs> <laughs> well, um it does it still surprise you about
1: how many people that kind of that remember you or or associate you with m t v
0: It's not until you look back that you realize how big it actually was. When you're in it, you're working, you know, it's, it's, you're enjoying it, but it's like the hamster wheel. You're going to work. You're doing what you need to do. So looking back, when I think about Times Square and looking out that window every day and thousands of kids being there, I mean, losing their minds and interviewing, you know, new kids on the block and Will Smith and Tom Cruise and just all this amazing talent, um, Beyonce in the beginning, you know, everything, I'm like, wow, we were really, we were really at the forefront and the center of just pop culture and I was a part of that but it took me leaving it to look back and realize what a big big moment it is I think what I'm more surprised that is when people say like you know I watched you growing up and I'm like but I was a teenager too <laughs> like I was growing up too like make me feel so old like I don't think people realize like on my MTV days you know I was like 19 years old 19 20 years old starting MTV um so I grew up as well and um uh, what a great place to grow grow up at.
1: Yeah, it, it is weird because I sort of had that weird feeling too like I feel like I grew up with her. Right? <laughs> like it's, right. It's, but, I'm,
0: but I'm like and I grew up with you right. because I was around up, the same I was age. growing up at the same time. <laughs> right. So it was it's it's an amazing thing and um you know it's something I, I I never I never take for granted and I'm glad you know I had that part of my life.
1: So um you know I guess, again, keeping to your, your career path of apparently being a, always a part of like legacy kind of shows Thank from you. TRL, and as you mentioned, you're going to do 90210. How did you wind up uh,
0: booking that? So I heard about the audition, and I was like, I'm going to audition for it, and set up my little camera in my living room, had my assistant read the lines, and it was so funny because when I edited it, there were two takes that I really liked, and I couldn't choose between the two takes, so I brought my son, Cayenne in the room, and I said, Kyanne, Tell me which take you like better. And he looked, and he really looked, and he said, Mom, it's that one. And I was like, all right, and that's the one I sent. And I ended up booking the job off of that tape. I did have to go to a chemistry read with Brian Austin Green to make sure. You know, you got to make sure the vibe is there, and it was great. But I just love that my son was such a, a part of that process and picked Pick the right one. He picked the right take. And now I'm out in Vancouver um, filming does that he, show. Does he get
1: a cut of the money or no? He gets
0: all my money. <laughs> I work for him. <laughs> he gets everything. And actually, when I go back in a couple of days, I'm going to take him with me. I want him to just see what he helped become a part of and be on set and just experience that.
1: So the character, um, because you are you know, playing Brian Austin Green's wife, like was it meant to be a character who was a person of color
0: or no? I think so. I think it was. And I think that was important to Brian. I think it was important to 90210. And it's 2019. Like, let's be real. You need that. You want to watch and see that. So for me to be able to bring that, you know, is a huge responsibility and I'm honored for it. And when we were on our panel and we were talking about like using your voice, I've just learned to do that more and be able to say like, hey, we wouldn't say it like that or that's not how we look at things because how do you expect them to understand that and before I would just be so quiet and passive about things and like I said on the panel not want to ruffle any feathers but now I'm like no you hire me for a reason and I'm going to tell you guys what this experience is like so that it rings true when people are watching the show. Um, Were you
1: at all I guess nervous going into this a little bit because of the reputation and the again it's a legacy show number right Two and
0: yeah, I was nervous, and also for me, you know, coming out of power for six seasons, I've played Lakeisha, and you know I've done other things on our on our hiatuses and stuff, but Lakeisha is just in me, and so, as an actor, you have to know how to kind of put Lakeisha away and become something else, and these two characters couldn't be any more different, so it was kind of like I had to lay Lakeisha down for a little while. And that was hard for me. That was hard for me. Um, because I've, I, along with Courtney, we've created that character. But it was also nice to now step into something completely different.
1: Obviously there was the, you know, the tragic death of of Luke and Luke yeah. Perry. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how I mean, I don't I don't know if you had any relationship with him at all mm-hmm. or knew him at all, but like how did how has that impacted or is it impacting filming and, and putting this show together? Yeah,
0: I didn't I didn't know him, but I feel like I do because they do such a great job at nine oh two one oh of, you know, upholding and uplifting his legacy and he will be a part of the show in some capacity. I, I can't see how you could have a nine oh two one oh without him, but I'm grateful now to learn about the kind of person that he was and his heart and his spirit. And when you walk around on set, you feel it. And, and the cast makes sure of that. So I think that's really admirable of them to do that. As I mentioned before, like your career has really been about you adapting
1: at every turn mm-hmm. um, to go from, you know, being uh, known on MTV to actress producing as well, uh, author as well. So like, how have you embraced these different, you know, parts of what you're doing? Like, how have you been able to kind of um, put yourself into all of these different things?
0: Well, I always said, you know, when it starts feeling like a job, then I don't want to do it anymore. Like, when it starts feeling... So when radio started feeling like a job, like, you know when it feels like a job where you're you're getting up every day and it's like, "Ah, all right, got to go to work. You know, I, I don't like that feeling. So when it starts feeling like a job, I'm like, okay, what's next? So I would just constantly adapt to whatever I thought was next. And right now I'm really stuck in the acting and producing side and I don't see myself getting out of that anytime soon. And I'm just focusing on being you know, as great as I can be in those things. But yeah, for me, every transition was just about when it started feeling like a job and I felt like, okay, it's time to go to the next thing.
1: So producing, what kind of um, perspective does that give you for your acting Mm -hmm. when you're on the producing
0: side? You just see it from a whole different lens on, on the producing side. And then you see what directors or producers or casting directors see. Like if you're casting a project and you're in a casting room, I'm like, oh, shit, this is what they see when we walk in here. And then they walk out. And not that you're talking bad about them, but you're having like, I'm like, oh, they probably tear my ass apart when I walk out the room. Like you, you really get to see it from another side. What was great about producing is, you know, you get to bring the kind of content that you want to the TV screen. So something I produced that I was really, really proud of was um, this documentary on BT and CNN did a huge piece on it called Killer Curves. And, you know, for me, just in our communities, plastic surgery and, and you know, going to these non-legit places to get, you know, fat asses, because that's the thing nowadays, small waist and fat asses, and and realizing so many of our young women and just women in general were dying or being, you know, sick because they're not doing their research, and I just felt like it was something that nobody was talking about, so I put out this, this documentary, and I promise you, even here at ABFF, everywhere I go, it's like, you know, you really helped me, or you saved my life because I was getting ready to go to some cheap place, and you made me think twice about it. That's, that's just so powerful to me. And I knew that was a relevant topic for, for us and it needed to be talked about. So being able to do stuff like that is what makes producing you know, so powerful and, and, and makes me excited about continuing to bring content that, that is important out there. Yeah,
1: I, I should mention also in, in these myriad of roles that you have, uh, activism is one. Mm-hmm. Um, that seems to be very important to you. Uh, why is that?
0: I, I just personally feel like there's no way any of us can be in these positions and not give back and not fight for what's right, you know, being in this position is a blessing and I don't take that for granted. And I just feel like if I'm here and I'm not doing anything to help, like, it just doesn't add up to me. So philanthropy is big on my list. Activism, um, you know, I do tons of charity stuff all year. Um, My most recent thing that I found out yesterday, you know, the verdict came down on a junior in the Bronx who I'm very close with his family and all the guys were uh, found guilty on every single charge. And I talked to his family yesterday and it's a sad moment, but you know, you feel like that was a victory and and, um, something that we're all really happy about. So I'm excited to get back and just get with his family and see, you know, how everybody's feeling. But that was important to me, you know, living in New York, hearing that story, I wanted to like get to know this family and I did and really helped them in any way that I could. So that's what success means to me, you know, that kind of feeling just just helping people in that way
1: um, have you ever worried about how maybe some of your views might impact you know how people see you as an actress or like impact your opportunities have you do you even concern yourself with that
0: i don't think I do. I, I think i've gotten to the point where it's so funny because. A lot of this came up on our panel. That panel that we did was, was so empowering. But you know, you just get to a point where it's like, hey, this is me, take it or leave it. And if you don't like it, that's fine. I got enough friends. Like it's fine. <laughs> I just can't I, I lived for so long trying to be what I thought everyone else wanted me to be. And that's exhausting. You know, it's just so exhausting. People are gonna have something to say regardless of what you do. You're gonna have your supporters, you're gonna have your haters, no matter what you do. So you just have to understand that comes with the territory and just walk in your truth and be who you are. And that's what I've gotten better at doing. I wasn't always good at that, but I'm better at it now.
1: Just to fill everybody in, uh, Lala and I were on a, a, I was moderating in a panel she Mm -hmm. was on about women at the American Black Film Festival. Most lit panel panel for a lot of reasons. (laughs) In every way. In every way. One of these days, I'll tell the story. Yeah, you One have day. to. May not be today, but I will tell the story eventually. Um, and so I feel like for that we like bonded for life. Yeah, go through for that experience life. After going through for that life. To go through that experience for life. Um, but in terms of like using your voice and finding it, you did talk a lot on the panel about how this was a gradual,
0: mm-hmm. you know,
1: process. Uh, for you, were there any particular moments you can kind of point to that kind of gave you, uh, the confidence or the courage to to be more outspoken?
0: Um. I just had to start believing in myself more. I always just felt so, and Ayana I, I, talked about it on the panel. But I always used to feel like, wow, they want to work with me. Wow, they really hired me. Like to the point where I, I felt like I wasn't worthy of certain jobs, or they were doing me this huge favor by giving me this job. And I finally had to see like, you're talented. You have a huge following. You, you, your, your voice. People want to hear what you have to say, and that means something to these projects. You bring a lot to these projects, and I just had to continue to remind myself of that. And it's nothing wrong with having gratitude. You always want to be gracious, um, which I am, and, and humble, but it was more just getting out of, like, feeling like I didn't deserve certain things. Do you think you felt that way in acting because it wasn't what you originally set out to do? Right, and for so long I was told I couldn't do it. Like, you're an MTV VJ. You're a radio personality. You're Lala from MTV. That's all you're ever going to be, you know? (laughs) People who work at MTV, we talk about the MTV curse because a lot of times people don't come out of MTV. It's like, oh, what happened to so-and-so? So when people are drilling that in your head constantly, you do start doubting yourself. So for me... I felt like that in acting, and I just, whenever I would book a job, again, it was just, I, I just felt like it's, it was a mistake somehow, <laughs> like, how did I get this job, you know, and then I had to start realizing, like, I work really hard, and I am talented, and, you know, I show up one time, and, and, and I treat people well, like, all that all that matters, so, again, I'm still super grateful for every opportunity, but I understand that I work really hard, and that's how... I'm able to have these opportunities.
1: Is that compounded when um, you're married to a professional basketball player, mm-hmm. as you are? I, I know a lot of a lot of people had a lot of what I thought to be very senseless commentary when Aisha Curry talked about, essentially, when she was on Red Table Talk yeah. with Jada Pinkett. She was essentially talking about her identity being gone mm-hmm. because it is wrapped up in Steph Curry, mm-hmm. and I don't know. Have you ever felt that way? Even though every a lot of people knew who you were right. before you mar- married Carmelo, right? But once you marry him, then it becomes yeah, you're Carmelo Anthony's wife as yeah. opposed to La La Anthony. Yeah,
0: no, I have felt that way before. You know, you go places and it's like, oh, that's Melo's wife. I'm like, <laughs> I do have a name, you know. I mean, I, and and but at the same time, you're you want to represent. You're a man and and feel good about that. You don't want to resent that because, I mean, I am Melo's wife, you know, but you still want to have your own and be known for your own. And that's been a trial and error for me because sometimes I laugh because sometimes there is a such thing as being too independent. So sometimes I would lean on the too independent side because I was so stuck on proving that it's not about him. Like I have my own to where it's a tricky balance, you know, because you can go so far off in your own world that it's like you are in your own world and you have to figure out what the balance is between supporting your husband and and being a great wife but still living your life and and doing things that that make you happy. So with Aisha, you know, I'm, I'm such a supporter of her and everything she's doing, you know, all her, her, her cooking shows and, you know, putting out product. And I'm always cheering her on and sending messages and stuff. It's just it's just great, great to see. And why can't we do it all? You know, why can't we be great wives and, and have businesses and build brands? Like, why can't we?
1: Now you have a son that is an emerging basketball player. So what? What? what <laughs> yeah, no. What, so what kind of sports mother are you? Are you crazy at these AAU games and everything, or like, I'm, what's your personality there? I'm psychotic.
0: <laughs> no, no like, I didn't like, see like, clip. Of you. No, no, I'm psychotic. Like <laughs> it's it's psychotic and it's so crazy because I've been going to basketball games my whole life, and even with Melo being you know in the playoffs at various times or whatever, like seeing my son play, it could be like the most local tournament ever i feel like it is the championship game <laughs> you're in the finals all i'm the time. in the finals it's <laughs> toronto versus golden state and i'm just losing it and sometimes i gotta remind myself like "Lie, you have to chill and it's funny because i'm a lot harder on our son than uh mellow is mellow is so laid back i'm like you're not gonna say anything did you see the way he played yeah he's like it's gonna come it's gonna come i like you can't be the only good one in the family like <laughs> just going in on him he's like what is wrong with you but i'm i'm so competitive but you know i i support my son of course but i want him to be you the best be he could be right. and his dad is a little bit more like Time, you know, to come. He's twelve years old. You know, it'll just come. And I'm like, no, we need to be in the gym. You need to be in track. You need to have this. this. I'm like a crazy person, so I gotta kind of dial it back just just a little bit. Did you ex- did you know you had that in you? Did you no, expect it? To- no, it was that. like it just came out. I mean, yelling at refs like a, like a crazy. You are not yelling no, at refs. Yelling at <laughs> refs. Yelling at people who say stuff to him. I'm like, what'd you say? Like, I'm just like, I, I have to get it together. I'm, I'm trying to be better. I promise you, I'm trying to be better. It's so funny. He's um. He's here right now. There's a tournament in Miami this weekend. So tomorrow's uh, the championship game. So I will will be there front and center. I can't wait. It's so funny because I was doing another panel. And in between, people are like, you okay? Because they see me on my phone. What they don't realize is I was watching the game on my phone. There was an app. Because I never miss his games, but I'm here. So I'm literally watching the game. Like People are trying to talk to me. I'm like, please, I'm watching my son's game right now. So tomorrow tomorrow will be really fun. I'm like, are you breaking down film with him after the game? Because it's... A lot of times I do, actually. Oh, and Melo's like, you have to stop. You just have to stop. But it's it's all good. You know, I think uh, it's good when you have one parent one way, and, you know, it balances it out. It balances it do out. You,
1: do you worry at all that, or how do you avoid him feeling the pressure to live up to his dad being this great player?
0: Yeah, you know, I tell him, you're your own person. And it's so funny because um I named him, Cayenne Carmelo Anthony for a reason, you know. I I didn't want to name him Carmelo Anthony because of, of that. Like I I always thought, well, what if he wants to play basketball and you just have that name on you and that pressure? And not that him not having his dad's name changes anything, but I wanted him to step into his own. Um, so I flipped it because Melo's name is Carmelo Cayenne, so I I flipped it and um, I just tell him be be who you are, and I see how how. It can affect him and how he deals with it. Even at 12 years old, these kids are relentless. I hear them tell my son, like, you're not as good as your dad. You'll never be your dad. I mean, they, they poke at him during the games all the time. And it's crazy because you hear parents and people on the stand say the same thing. Your dad, either your dad sucks or you're never going to be your dad or you suck. And at 12 years old, that is a lot to take in. So I have to constantly talk to him about, you know, drowning out the outside noise, but also letting him know... This is gonna be part of your life as long as you decide to do this. Like people are always gonna poke at you and you know try to rattle you. You gotta you gotta be um, on point and you can't let that get you off your game. So as long as we're having conversations about it, and I tell Kyan too, you know, the day you decide I don't want to do this anymore, then we're out of here. You know, we're out of here. But as long as you're committed, then I'm gonna be committed. And all I ask is, while you're committed, you know, put your all into it. And that's in anything you do, sports, school. You know, I tell them with anything. So. That's why I I'm not hard on him, but I push him because if if we're gonna do this, then put your all into it.
1: Yeah. Now is he um, a, a, whose personality he's did, a, exactly like his dad.
0: Okay. <laughs> the most laid back, quiet, just everything, even kill all the time. I'm just like ah, say something. Both of them just so laid back and chill. Me while I'm the one like pulling my hair out. But he is. Exactly like his father. Exactly <laughs> like his father. And it's funny because his game is exactly like his father. So like LeBron or you know D Wade will come watch Kayan play, and afterwards they'll tell me stories like Mello played exactly the same way. You know he did this exact same stuff, and it's just so interesting to hear. You know because I didn't know Mello at, at like the junior high or high school level, so I would watch you know little clips. But to see them say like the games are so similar is is. Is always so funny to me.
1: You know y'all need to form like a little super team. Like it should be <laughs> LeBron's son, D-Wade's son, and your son. Like just form a little super team right
0: there. But, but LeBron's son and D-Wade's son, the, the older group, they're going to be playing on the same team in L.A. now. So then Cayenne and Bryce... LeBron's younger son—they're the same age, so they're the next up. So the older kids now are, are playing. Um, I think it's Sierra Canyon or something like that in, mm-hmm. in LA. So that's that's gonna be that's gonna be cool.
1: Yeah, I mean LeBron kind of seems like. More like you, as in, yeah, I can definitely see him yelling at refs and all.
0: Yeah, that. of course, he seems of course, intense, of course. Mel, so. I'm looking at him like you're not gonna say anything. <laughs> you're just gonna sit there.
1: And he's just like, what? <laughs> well, I mean, if um, you know, who knows where the ceiling might be? But I mean, how would you feel
0: about him becoming a professional basketball player? You know, I, I, anytime you're a parent, and you want your kids to follow their dreams. Um, is it ideal? I don't know, because I know what comes along with it, and and there's amazing perks, but then there's the other side to it as well, and, you know, even looking at recently some of the stuff that's happened with with his dad, with Melo, you know, and I I think unfair blaming or treatment in, in the NBA and not even being on a team right now, which just blows my mind. You know, you just want to protect your kid from all of that. But if that's ultimately what he wants to do, then I'm I'm front and center in supporting it. But for me, education is first. I want him to be a great student. I want him to learn learn a craft outside of basketball, you know, to have something to fall back on. And I always talk to him about that. Cause, you know, when your dad is Carmelo Anthony or your dad's LeBron or D. Wade, I feel like sometimes you think that I'm not going to say that it's easy, but like it's your life. So you don't realize that that's what you have a better chance of getting struck by lightning than getting in the NBA. But when that's all you see, it's like, I'm going to do that. It's, I'm going to do that. But it's so much work that goes behind it. And I have to remind Cayenne of that. Like it doesn't just happen because you say it's going to happen or because it happened for your dad. Like your dad is blood, sweat and tears to get there. So I always remind him of that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I know it's hard. You know, kids that are not as close to it as him have that in their mind. So I can only imagine with it being so close to him, him feeling like...
0: It's the norm. Like, you just feel like it's the norm. Like, I'm going to (laughs) NBA. Oh, you are? Because, why you said you were? Like, because your dad's in there? Like, it doesn't work like that. So I have to... And he gets it, but I understand his perspective. Like, I never grew up... I don't know what growing up like that is like. I don't know what growing up with people screaming your dad's name everywhere he goes and jerseys being sold with your last name on them. Sometimes I look at my son and I'm like, what does that feel like? Because I would never understand that. And that's all he's known. So I try to just get in his head and, and definitely keep him humble all the time because it is a lot. You know for a kid that's been born into that
1: yeah um well you uh seem to have an amazing perspective on parenting so much of an amazing perspective that apparently you are the (laughs) go-to for uh mommy advice um we're gonna uh, talk about that um when we come back So, yeah, Lala, as I mentioned before the break, um, you are the go-to, apparently, for mommy advice. <laughs> uh, I read about how Serena came to you for some parenting advice before um, she had her daughter. What did you tell her? I imagine this was probably a series of conversations,
0: right? right Maybe I mean, not it's just just the same thing I tell, like, all my friends. It's, it's And what my mom tells me, there's no there's no manual. There's no playbook on, like, how to be a great mom. You know, each child is different. You just got to kind of feel your way out and don't be so hard on yourself. You know, you're going to do some things right, you're going to do some things wrong. That's just parenting. So I just say, you know, be who you are, whether it's Serena or whoever. Like you're a great person and Serena has turned out to be like the most amazing mom. I'm now taking advice from her. Like <laughs> amazing mom. So, you know, I just say be who you are, and each kid is different. Like what works for Cayenne might not work for another kid. You got to know your child's personality. That I got to talk to Cayenne a certain way, different than I might talk to another kid. You just have to have to know that, and just um, follow your heart and follow what you, what you feel is right.
1: I do consider myself sort of the the proponent and the, the captain of the only children club. Because okay. I'm the only I'm my mother's only child. Okay. Right? So Cayenne's part of that club. No, he's part of that club. <laughs> yeah, I was like he's no part more on the club. menu. Because was there <laughs> part of you that like wanted a girl, you know? Never. Really? Never.
0: I am I I, I am such a tomboy at heart. I always wanted a boy. And I wanted to do exactly what we're doing, you know, sports and, and not obviously not saying girl, but I'm not girly. I don't want to like go get nails done and <laughs> Get your hair done, like I'm just—that's just not my you thing like at all. You like that haircut once a week? No, is good. Yeah, I'm good with that. That's just not my thing. Oh, right. So I, I just—I I love having having, you know, a boy, and I and I love having one. You know, my thing is, I had a child to be involved in every aspect and every step of his life, and with my career, for me, I found like it works with with one, and I would never want to have another child and not be able to give. You know all my attention and my all, and I found like the perfect balance between having Cayenne and still having a career and having a family. So it's just worked. And you know he went through a time where he was asking all the time, and now he's so used to it, and he has his friends and his cousins. he
1: so does he realize you get all the stuff when you're? Yeah, the only yeah. Child. Now, now he's
0: good. I asked him recently. I was like, "Do you still think about it?" He's like, "No, not at all." And he's fulfilled in so many, so many other ways. So does he? Like, how aware is he of? Kind of how famous you are. <laughs> uh, well, he he he's so funny. He, t- he told me recently. He goes, "Mom, everybody at school uh, knows who Dad is, but no one knows like any movies or anything you've been in." And I was like, "Dang!" God. It's like that. <laughs> I was like, "Dang!" But I mean, those kids should not be watching Power and stuff like that. I would hope not. Not at eleven, twelve years old. Although some of them do. But um, yeah, he 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 gets it. But he's definitely way more of. Uh, a daddy's boy, I guess. Like I think now, younger, he was so attached to me, but now he's recognizing like who his dad is and, and the sports side of it. So it's like everything is dad this, dad that. Where's dad? I'm going with dad. I'm like, you're forgetting about me, but I Aww. get it. And I love that they have that bond. And um, Mello is such an amazing dad to Kyan. And, and I couldn't ask for anything better than that.
1: Now, I, I'm sure what will be, if it isn't already the other Uncomfortable part for him is the fact that you know you are not only his mother, but you know you also. Are beautiful. Oh, thank <laughs> so you. I was like, I thank don't know if you. his thank friends you. are like, yo,
0: yo, mama. <laughs> oh, but he told me recently, he told me don't come into school anymore. He said, you have to wait outside. I said, what? He was like, well, well I'm in the sixth grade and sixth grade parents don't come in the school, Mom, You have to wait outside. I'm like, is that really what's going on? So literally now I stand on the street like a lame. I told him, you got me out here like a lame. Wait for him to come out. He rushes us to the car so like no one sees us. And then we just, we just get out of there. I'm like, I feel like. Like, I I thought my kid would think I was cool and, like, meet my mom. No, he literally, like, ushers me in the car really quick, and then we roll out of there. <laughs> it's, it's really funny.
1: Oh, my goodness. So has the the girl thing started yet?
0: A little bit. Okay. A little bit. He's not really that into girls yet, but... Okay. He asked me for Valentine's Day if I would buy someone like a small thing and he goes, mom, I just just want to say one thing. Please don't go overboard because I know how you are. And I was like, what is going overboard? He said, just buy like a small little thing of candy or something. So I did and then when I tried to follow up and ask about it, he just didn't shut want to <laughs> shut it down. So I don't know what happened to the girl, the Candy. I don't know anything because he completely shut it down.
1: So do you, um, I, I don't know, how much do you think about that moment? At some point he's going to bring somebody home for I you to meet? I
0: I know. Like I just wanted to be like a nice girl. I just wanted to be a nice girl. But I'm going to support his decision. I'm not going to be one of those crazy moms. I say, uh, that, uh-oh. No, I don't want to be that. I don't want to be that. Um, I just want to be supportive so we'll cross that bridge when we get there I'm not rushing it okay in any way shape or form
1: you know you you had mentioned before about like you know how protective you are not
0: just him but obviously Melo do you think he'll be he'll be back next season I hope so I hope so I think he deserves to be back he should be back there's a place for him on a lot of teams out there so I'm I'm interested to see how it plays out as well well you have as you mentioned you have a,
1: a lot on your plate um because I think you have a new series coming with 50, yeah, correct? Yeah, we're it,
0: producing a series called Intercepted for Stars, so we're working on that now.
1: Yeah, um, so uh, it, I think 50 is like one of the funniest people <laughs> ever created. He's a magnificent troll, <laughs> is, He is magnificent at this,
0: right? And, I mean, one of the smartest, most talented. I mean, you could talk to him about anything. He will break down anything, and he's just been such a, a powerful support of me and and my career you know even before power he would tell me i'm going to make this show and it's going to be like this and you're going to be on it we're going to kill it and he talked everything that's happened with power he talked about before like when he says it, he believes it, and he puts everything in it to make it happen. But the other side, you know, he, he's a master at it. He's a master <laughs> he's at so promotion. He's yes. a master at trolling. Yes. He's a master at collecting money. He's a master <laughs> at at it all. But at his core, just such a smart, genuine person. And if he rocks with you, he's gonna do everything he can to put you in a position to win.
1: Was the role, of Lakeisha? Some were you always who he had in mind?
0: So. I was who he had in mind to be on the show, not necessarily Lakeisha, but nothing was handed to me. I had to go in there and audition. I feel like I auditioned three or four different times. And I came in for different roles because this is before Power even started. So, you know, they were interchanging the pieces. And then finally, you know, I went in for Lakeisha and it just felt like it fit. But, you know, he. He gave me the platform to go in, but I had to perform, and that's another thing we talked about on the panel. Like, you have to be prepared when the opportunities present itself. Like, someone might be able to give you the opportunity, but they can't do the work for you. Like, he put me in the room, but he couldn't do my audition for me. So, I had to make sure I was prepared when that opportunity presented itself. And thank God that I was, because now you know it's been six seasons later.
1: Now, you you did mention this on the the panel as well about like how I mean everybody knows who watched. Watches power. There's a lot of sex and power. Yeah, right? a lot. So I feel like huh. in the later seasons it sort of toned it, down a little yeah, bit. Yeah, but in the beginning, in it was the beginning. Like, what the heck? <laughs> oh my God, I was like, everybody was getting it. Everybody, <laughs> right? Like, so eventually your turn came. <laughs> I knew it was coming too. Yes. I was like, they gonna come to me any day now. <laughs> so how did you?
0: I mean, was that your first sex scene? That was my first. Okay. And, um, terrifying, completely mm. terrifying. But what's great about the Power cast and crew is. You know, they make it so comfortable for you. Make sure you're good. It's a closed set. You know, make sure you're comfortable. You do a rehearsal beforehand. It's it's all this stuff that goes behind it. But like I said on the panel, you know, I also had to not be afraid to use my voice even in those situations because there are things that you might feel uncomfortable with or I just, I just don't like that. I just didn't like how that felt. And the old me is like, don't say anything. They're going to find somebody else. They're going to replace you. But now it's like... No, I'm not gonna put myself in uncomfortable situations, and I'm so thankful to Courtney and that whole crew because they make us feel so comfortable, and um, they make an uncomfortable situation uh, pretty easy.
1: Is there any way to to rev yourself up to do a sex scene? I was like, I don't know what, what kind of shot training. A pa- shot a
0: patrol. Right. Also to say like, how do you even get into the? And it's the so mood funny because I was thinking back, like the majority of my sex scenes, all jokes aside, have been shot at like. Six o'clock in the morning. I'm like, okay. When you so, really feeling sexy, right, I'm like, first scene up of the day as sexy. that's six, seven a.m. in the morning. But you know, you just you just dive in and you understand that as part of the character, as part of what's happening in the story. And you know, you just you just zone out and, and, and do what you need to do. <laughs> right. and take a shot of patrol. <laughs> take a shot of yeah, exactly.
1: Loosen up a little bit. Loosen up um, as you go forward, it. Uh, you know, in your 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 acting career and despite the body work that you have, do you find yourself still encountering either stereotypes about who you are because you came from MTV? Like, do you still
0: face that? Every single day. Mm. Every single day because it's almost like when you're already known, and I'm I'm, I'm not complaining. I mean, I, lo- I love who I am, but when you're already known, it, it can hurt you in so many ways. Like, if I was just... Anonymous Actress off the street and I went in a room of auditions. Sometimes I feel like I would have a better shot at the job because I'm coming in, they see Lala. So first I have to get them to not see Lala. So that's first. Then they got to see the character and then they got to see the talent. So I got to break down so many more barriers than another actor coming in that they might not even know because they're just seeing them as the character. So it is difficult. Or people say, oh, no, no, no. We, we know Lala already. And it's like... No, you know me as Lala. You don't know me as this character or she's not right for this role because they're seeing me as Lala. They won't even give me a chance. So, so many times when that happens, I still just put myself on tape and send it in and just pray that somebody watches it and maybe it catches their eye. Because if I just waited, then I'll be waiting forever for people to say, oh, no, she's not right for this. Or, you know, no, we don't need to see her. We already know Lala. She's not right for this. So I have to kind of go my own way to try to still, you know, Make it happen. How,
1: how would you describe the the climate for um, you know a black actress in twenty nineteen?
0: I think it's amazing climate now. You know, it's so much content, and I think we're taking our power and creating our own and creating jobs for each other. And it's just it's just amazing to be in positions like what Fifty and I are doing now with Intercepted and be able to hire the people we want, the writers we want, you know, and just be in control of all that. And that's what what the wave has been and it's just an amazing time for, you know, African-American, Hispanic talent. Um, and I want to continue to be a driving force behind that by creating great content that keeps us employed, you know, keeps our our, our stories being told out there. Um, that's a really powerful thing. What would you
1: say uh, to, I mean, there's a, not just people that, um, you know, necessarily want to be actors, but because you are someone who started so young and I feel like a lot of young people need to hear that mm-hmm. because so many of them, um, you know, look, we all sort of goofed around in high school, and that's just part of being mm-hmm, a kid. Mm-hmm. But there is something to be said for always doing things with purpose. So what's sort of the advice you like to give to young people now who are maybe interested in pursuing an unconventional dream like acting or right. doing some of the things that
0: you've done? Well, it definitely has to be something that you're passionate about. And you have to be willing to do do. do Unconventional things like when I talked about internships. Nowadays, you tell somebody to work for free, they look at you like you have 10 heads. You tell a teenager to work for free, they're like, What? I could go on Instagram and post something and make more money than this, but it's about the hands on experience. So you have to be willing to, you know, do those kind of things to learn the craft and get better at it and then get to a point where you're actually getting paid for it. So I would say it definitely has to be something you're passionate about and you have to be willing to sometimes work for free or do things that might not be that glamorous and just get your hands and feet dirty and, and dig in, um, that's part of the process and that's part of learning.
1: Now, um, Howard, when you told your parents that this is, you know, you wanted to pursue radio and all that, like, I, I mean, I know you went to Howard. Um, mm-hmm.
0: What was their reaction to you following this? Um, at first, you know, my mom was like, she kind of just thought it was for fun. Like, in, in her mind, radio person, like, that's not a real job. And she was always supportive, but she just thought oh, this is a phase or something like that. But then as as it was going on, I just would see her like, oh, this is like a real thing and you're getting paid for this and life is starting to look a little bit different and better. And she's just always been so supportive. I remember being in Atlanta on the radio as a teenager and getting the call to come work in LA. Had never been to LA before. And just, I was like, mom, I think I'm just going to go live in LA. Didn't even know one person in LA. I was a teenager, you know, And she was like... All right, I support you and she actually flew with me to LA for the first time, got me situated in my little corporate housing apartment and then left. I didn't know one person there, but always so supportive and and that's why I love my mom. I always say, you know, she doesn't necessarily understand this business, but the best advice about this business I've gotten from my mom because she has the most common sense. Like she'll give the most common sense answers that your lawyers, your they're not even talking. My mom will say the most common sense and I'm like, "You're right." <laughs> That's it right there. She just asked my mom. Yeah, she just asked my mom. So I'm so grateful to
1: her. But she's been super supportive. Uh, So when um, you decided to drop out of college, you know, how was that greeted? How was that decision?
0: (laughs) Um, So, yeah, one thing about, you know, my family, they never put that kind of pressure on me. And with the college thing, you know, I was... My major was communications, but I already had a job in communications. So when I'm in these classes and they're teaching, you know, you know how to work the board and radio on this, I'm like, I already do this. Like, I could do this with my eyes closed. So it just, to me, didn't make sense because... The kind of learning I needed was more hands-on, and I was getting that. So I was like, you know, I'm just going to leave and continue working at the radio station I'm at. And, and it worked out to my benefit. But, you know, for college students out there, I would say, you know, there is a way to do both. You go on those classes and you learn, but also try to get in a position where you're interning somewhere and you're actually getting that hands-on experience because there's nothing like the hands-on experience. That's really important. Considering how much you value education, um how do you think you
1: would react if your son wanted to do something similar?
0: Yeah, I don't know. To be honest with you, because I tell you, it's a conversation that comes up, you know, mellows of the mindset that, you know, if this basketball thing goes, then you just kind of go straight to the NBA because, you know, the rules will change again. But I want my son to go to college and I want him to view college as being very important. So that's a little battle that Melo and I are having right now. It's just recently come up, and I'm like, you better not tell him to not go to college. Like, what are you talking about? So we have this little thing now, but I want him to realize how important that is, and I just want him to see the I, I want him to be great at basketball, but I want him to see the world Bigger than that, and you know, have more tools in the toolbox. Like, let basketball be one of your many tools that you have. So, I'm gonna try to win, win, win that fight. <laughs> well,
1: I mean, it, it must be hard because, uh, you know, you you left Howard. I know it he is He left hard. Syracuse. It is hard. It like, so well, so like, you guys didn't do it. That's what I'm saying. I was like, you don't
0: really, you yeah. can't really win the argument based off the example. It, it's 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 really hard, but I can try to just reinforced him again how important education is and I am I mean I am an advocate of college it didn't work out for me but if my son could go to college I would be so proud and if not I'm, I'm still proud but I don't want to encourage him to believe that college is not important yeah uh,
1: as I mentioned earlier in this podcast you you're also
0: an author you, two books correct mm-hmm. um what made you decide to write another one so people would always tell me like, you know, would ask me questions about, you know, career or or love or life and I was like, you know, why not put this in a book and kind of give this knowledge to everybody and the knowledge is just my personal experiences and me being honest about the ups and downs and everything that I've been through. So I wrote the the love playbook and it went number 1 on the New York Times like, shit, the book went number 1. This is crazy. Because People are thirsty for information. They want, you know, to hear real stories about, you know, different experiences. So from there I I, I did the power play book and that was more about, you know, finding your passion and and honing your passion and your career and kind of how I made it from an intern to where I'm at now and it's just the feedback was so amazing. I'm starting to think now about what the third book oh would be. there'll be a third. Yeah, but okay. I haven't figured it out yet cuz you got love, you got power. So I'm trying to think like well, what is the next thing? So I'm 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 racking my brain out now trying to figure it out, but it's one of those things when it comes it's going to come.
1: Do you consider yourself or look at yourself as a role model?
0: I do because That's what I'm told by people that meet me in the street or by my peers. So I do. And it is important to me to be a good role model to people out there. You know, you have some celebrities like, oh, I'm not a role model. I'm not trying to be a role model. I mean, how do you avoid it? Like you're in a position where people are watching you and emulating things you do or saying, you know, I want to be like Lala. I want a career like that. So maybe not by choice, but you are and there's no way around it. So because I am... I want to try to be the best role model I could be, and being the best role model is just being you and it's 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 the down it 's the ups it 's the good and the bad it 's not just painting this picture that you know everything is perfect that 's not a role model a role model is being real, and i think i've i 've always been that
1: well um certainly I think you're because of your career you 've been able to to just adapt at every turn I think that's definitely something clearly worth modeling and a lot of people because a lot of people get stuck in doing the same thing Mm -hmm. and the fact that uh, you bet on yourself kind of at every turn I think is just so admirable that you were able to do that Um, but yeah I just want to thank you for like spending this time with me oh I love talking to you no this has been bonded for life we
0: bonded for life life. and (laughs) you will tell that story later we bonded for life
1: one day one day y'all y'all gonna hear the story of this epic panel <laughs> uh that that we were on yes. um but you know uh i just want to thank you again for you know spending this time with me for being the person you are you always even though i didn't know you it's like you always came off as somebody who was very genuine and very thank authentic you. i
0: appreciate that and thank you for spending the time with me the these platforms are just great to talk and, and and keep it real and we don't always get to do this so thank you for that so speaking of keeping it real i close
1: every podcast With a very popular segment, at least in my own mind, it is. It's called Fuck It, I'm Bothered. All right. Okay. Okay. And that is coming up after the break. So let me preface this Fuck It, I'm Bothered by saying I am not a Democrat. I am a registered member of the mind your fucking business party, the anti-racist party, the equality party and the black women are the shit party. Now, I came across a water is wet kind of poll that basically highlights why the Republican Party eventually, and I predict this will happen sooner rather than later, they will eventually become completely irrelevant. A recent poll done by the Public Religion Research Institute showed that 47% of Republicans believe it is okay for businesses to turn away customers based on their sexual orientation, gender identity, religion, or race. This institute did the same poll back in 2014 when just 21% were in favor of this same fuckery. Still a little too high for my taste. It should be zero, really. That means in the last five years, Republicans have gotten more racist. And more bigoted. Ooh, child, the ghetto. But in the interest of fairness, I'm going to both sides this thing. 18% of Democrats and 24% of independents also believe discrimination and racism in this context are cool. And both those numbers also have increased since 2014. What's worse is that when you break these beliefs down by religion, it is not surprising that church membership and attendance are also declining. So three in 10 white evangelical Protestants and white mainline Protestants say small businesses should be allowed to refuse to serve Muslims for religious reasons. Okay, so I recently interviewed Dr. Ibram Kendi, one of the foremost experts on race and racism and the history of racist ideas in particular. He wrote this terrific book that I completely beg for you to read. Called Stamp from the Beginning, The Definitive History of Racist Ideas in America. Now, when I interviewed Dr. Kendi, one of the things he said that stayed with me is that we have been conditioned to believe that racism is a product of ignorance and hate. But the truth is, racism is a product of self interest. You see, Republicans want to amass and maintain power, evangelicals want to amass and maintain power. Both of these groups know the only way to maintain that power is to continue to subjugate and dehumanize marginalized groups That is their self-interest The racist idea that they use to justify their intolerance is that Muslims are dangerous LGBTQ people are perverted and both are outside of God's will I would ask that Jesus fix it, but Jesus ain't got nothing to do with that Stay unbothered Jamel hill is unbothered is produced by spotify studios and unbothered inc and recorded and edited by rich burner and cadence 13 ashley van horn is our head of talent evan dick is our executive producer jesse burton is the executive producer for spotify and denise holly is the program manager our theme music is provided by Corey greenleaf and ben darwish you can find more from me on twitter and instagram at Jamel hill